episode 143 of the Rollin' Ramblin' podcast. First off, I want to say wow. Thank you, guys. Usually I get sort of four to seven, maybe eight views at most, or eight listens on my podcast over time after I share it out and stuff, and there was five of you that listened to it the other night, and uh, I didn't even get a chance to share it out. I just finished it, and then I guess some of you are on a notification for for uh, my old podcast episodes. I really, really appreciate that. Um, and I just lost my train of thought, but I'm not going to, I'm just going to keep going with it. Hang on one sec. I gapped out for a sec there. I had to pause and check, make sure that I did say it was 143 because uh, that's where we're at right now. Um, anyway, I've been cruising around all day. My back's been feeling pretty good. Been just driving and, and sort of hanging out. And then I stopped with a cup of tea at the, um, at the, I guess the, I think they call it the Squimalt Lagoon or, I don't know, I just call it the Lagoon all the time. Langford Lagoon, whatever. Um, anyway, just a chance, just usually where I come with like either a tea or like burger with a buddy or something that we just kind of sit and just stare at the ships and it's always been like there's a container ships and cargo ships and junk that you always see and a few people fishing in the summertime there's people on the beach doing junk and i don't know it's just cool so um just sitting here thinking about the prospect of hope because i've been i've been listening to a lot of zigzagger lately and 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 he talks about one of the the keys to happiness is having hope for the future and and i've been i always struggled with that part right because when i grew up it was don't get your hopes up right don't get your hopes up you know and i've talked about that before i think getting not getting your hopes up is some of the dumbest advice that anyone can give you you should be hopeful for things to happen but then you get around people that tell you don't get your hopes up and be realistic and yada, 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 yada. And I've always had trouble with that advice. And even Eckhart Tolle in The Power Now always talks about that hope is a sort of really bad thing because it keeps you out of the present moment because you're always hopeful for the future. And that I get, right? Like, I get that aspect of things. But the thing about hope, get off my car. Oh, there's a seagull. Just, I don't have any food. There's a, there's a seagull, like, directly staring at me while I'm talking right now. And I have zero food. So this guy can beat it. But anyway, back to the back to the hope conversation. <laughs> um, he's just, he thinks I have food and I do not have any food. So he's just going to stay there forever. <laughs> and now he thinks I'm talking to him. Um, but get off my car. There we go. Now he's going to go over to somebody else. Anyway. Uh, hopefully this has been a bit of an entertaining podcast because, like, I think this seagull is definitely trying to intimidate some people into bringing uh, them food. I can't remember. Is it always the ones that are, like the the, like dirty looking gray ones? Are they the females or the males? Anyway, I can't remember. But this one was friggin' mean mugging me. So, whatever. Back to the hope conversation. I got sidetracked like eighteen times in about twelve seconds there. Um, okay, so 
Here's what I figured out about hope, is that you don't want to always be out of the present moment, and you don't want to be looking into the past too much, and you don't want to be looking in the future all the time, because then you're not enjoying the present moment. So enjoying the journey of whatever process that you're on. And that's actually very difficult for people to do, especially like a goal set, a goal setter like me and a goal-oriented person. If you're goal-oriented in any kind of way, it's very difficult a lot of times to learn how to um, be present because you kind of are always chasing things. I need targets. I need things to look for in a lot of ways. Um, so last night I think was 91 straight days of meditation. Tonight will be 92. And, you know, that's a target in itself and it's a commitment to myself and all that kind of stuff. So all this stuff is sort of coming up for me about like what, what all this stuff means in terms of who I am coming into 40 years old in like three months or whatever and my goals and and, you know, I talked about now not sharing your goals with other people. And I was just finishing a book called Confidence Feels Like Shit is the name of the book. Um, I can never remember the author's name. Uh, it's a great lady. It's actually written for ladies, and I just decided that I wanted to listen to it on Audible. It's a great book. And even there was one part where she talked about telling your goals to other people and to be accountable. And I thought about this. It's very difficult to tell your goals to other people. This is a continuation of, of before. But the reason why it's very difficult to tell your goals to other people is because, honestly, unless you're telling, like, a paid life coach or somebody that you bought a program from, most people aren't going to tell you uh, that you can achieve anything that you want to. Or they're going to give you advice on, on why you should do something different or whatever. Whereas, whereas like a life coach, because they're paid and their, their, their opportunity to get money and to prove themselves to you and to anyone else is for you to reach an exorbitant goal that no one thinks you can, because that's a proof device for you. That's a proof device for them and yada, yada, yada. And so I was thinking about that. And then, and then like, even in this book, she said, you should tell other people and have them give you accountable. And I always say, be very careful with that because if you get derailed in any way, right, even if someone gives you different advice or different advice on how to get somewhere, you often might get derailed or not started or all that kind of stuff. And as far as the size of the goal, uh, you know, she talked about not setting them too big and all that kind of stuff. And the size of the goal, I think now that I think about it is really based on the amount of belief you have in yourself to achieve said goal. So if your belief is delusional or bleh, delusionally huge or off the charts with delusion, however you want to position that, because I apparently couldn't say the words, then you can set bigger goals because you have some sort of delusion where, where people around you don't affect your mindset as much. And that was an interesting experience from today is that I've started to realize and I do give most of my credit to meditation and, but I mean the, the whole self-help journey currently is, is just really awesome for me. And I really have this feeling that I'm getting set up for something better. And you, I mean, you can say that at any stage of your life, you can say, well, oh, you can look back and say, well, that thing happened. And I'm so glad that that bad thing happened because this good thing happened. Or, or if I would have known that I was going through that when I had this thing and it got into this, or I found this person, or I did this job, or I did whatever, whatever happened, right? Um, you know, there's a lot of times that you can look back at that kind of stuff. And then there are other times where people want you to say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it is a really bad situation. And you actually honestly shouldn't 
necessarily say, well, um, you know, that, oh, well, I'm, I'm glad I went through this. I'm a better person for it. There are certain things in life, I'm going to say it openly, that you didn't need to go through. And it's unfortunate that people went through some of this stuff. Like there's, there's some bad things that happen to a lot of people that they didn't need to go through to quote unquote, make them stronger or something like that. They had to become strong in order to deal with it or cope with whatever, but not, it's not a hundred percent of the time where what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Some people just shouldn't have had to go through bad things and we need to have empathy for that. But the idea of being very careful about telling people your goals is all related to the hope kind of conversation because hope is the opportunity, I believe, to, be to believe that you can achieve whatever goal you have. And the reason why not telling other people, like I mentioned before, is so important, I think, is because if I just decide with whatever goal I have that I don't want to do it anymore, I can do it and I don't have to... Even if I'm in a good mood, in good space and I don't care about other people's judgment and all that kind of stuff, which is not as consistent as I would like it to be, I still have to sort of deal with that and safeguard myself from, from those kind of situations. Like everyone nowadays is just talking about gas prices and housing prices and all that kind of stuff. And, and today I understood something on a deeper level that I hadn't really grasped internally like if someone said it to me I'd be like oh yeah that makes sense but it's something about internally knowing certain things and it was today I experienced it when some people were talking is that I actually realized internally and I don't know how to explain where the switch happened or anything like that but this idea that other people's experiences don't need to be mine other people's sort of thought process or whatever so if somebody thinks that you know things are crazy and I can't get into here and I can't get into that. I have empathy for their experience, but that's also not my experience. And they can have empathy for me, but because I'm in a wheelchair and because I'm going through what I'm going through, they don't need to think that whatever I deal with is going to be the same that they're going to deal with, especially if they're able-bodied and healthy and, and able to do whatever job. Their, their ability to attract income and whatnot is going to be different than mine, for instance, or, or where you can live in the world or whatever. Right? So, so it was interesting to think about that and to think about in terms of, of hope, it's important to stay in the present moment and enjoy the journey as much as you can. I have trouble with that still, but I need to have hope that my goals are achievable and that I will get them and I'll get to a better place. And I do much more enjoy present moment than I did before, almost because I have a better understanding of the goals that I'm achieving are going to take a little bit of time. And I used to think, oh man, we turned 40, like 40 is going to, going to be over. But I feel so much better now recently, especially in the last couple of months. That has to do with the new job and all that other stuff. But I feel so much better. I'm sleeping more and whatever else that, that I really believe that, you know, 40 and beyond is going to be better than it was before. And I'm not just saying that as some sort of cliche line or whatever, but I just actually feel that. Just like I feel like I am being set up for something better. The things that I've wanted for a long time are on their way. I don't know when they're coming. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know what I need to do in that process. But I am, I, for the first time, I'm not just saying these words and I, I actually think I believe them that I'm being set up for something better, I'm being trained for different things. Like even today, I wanted to visit some friends and, you know, it used to be back in the day you could, you could, um, 
you know, just stop by anybody's place and they'd be around. But now your friend's got kids and they're doing stuff and it's the weekend and I get it. But I'm basically 0 for 4 for the friends that I went to try and visit today and, and see them. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it was interesting because I started to think about a lot of my friends that I have locally are either just busy all the time with whatever they have going on because coming out of the pandemic and all that stuff or kids or family or all of the above or most a lot of my friends aren't even in the same city that I'm in like they're just not around to be accessible for me right and so as an extrovert I've had to really start to be okay with spending time by myself and I really think that's part of this big lesson that I've been going through is spending time by myself and it's it's teaching me self-reliance on a bigger level I really believe that because at some point I'm gonna have to be able to survive more so than I have right uh, to be able to take care of myself or maybe uh, do whatever goal or or whatever I need to. My, people can't be around all the time to take care of me. And that was always a fear of mine. It was like, what am I going to do when I get older? What am I going to do here? What am I going to do there? And now I have an even better ability to take care of myself. I can figure things out. And it's still teaching me that in terms of, of like, on a bigger level. I don't know if that makes any sense. I don't know how to word that. Like, I always knew that I could take care of myself, but this... I'm having less reliance on other people for emotional support and for for happiness and things like that. And it's very important to understand that everybody that's in my life that I'm good friends with has been there for me whenever I, I need them. And, and I'm grateful for every single person that I have. But I also had to understand that oftentimes I would share stories on multiple occasions and I would talk about a lot of the same things over and over again. And... And that's just not happening as much. Now, I'm not currently in a relationship with a lady. So when that happens again, the things that I'm, I'm going after and the things that I'm, I'm sort of dealing with are going to come up different because my insecurities when I'm in a relationship with someone, as opposed to insecurities that I have just as a friend or as a person or as an employee or, or just being myself, are different, right? There's, there's definitely more insecurity in intimate relationships for me than there is outside of it. Now, I hope, again, the hope is that now things will be different for me. They'll be different in the future. And I really believe that they will. There are days where I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to do this again. And that's a possibility. Maybe I need to go through, uh, you know, a few more intimate relationships that didn't work out in order to get to the level that I need to get to in order to have a good relationship. I don't know. One thing that I have really, really focused on is just trying to be happier in the moment. And, you know, do or do not do, there is no try. You know, Yoda always said that, and they always talk about that. But trying is super important. Trying to set goals. Trying to do a YouTube channel. Trying to do a podcast that more than, you know, a couple people listen to was a goal. It's still a goal to have this thing listened to by thousands of people to some degree. It's a very small goal, and it's in the back of my head. And, you know, maybe after I die, I'll be like Picasso or, or an artist or something that that got famous after I kicked the bucket. But guess what? Now I'm not kicking the bucket at 60. I'm probably going to kick the bucket at 75, 80, something like that. Because, like, I saw Vince McMahon at WrestleMania at 76. And, you know, he's in 
he's he's a 76 year old man now, but he's still in pretty good shape for a 76 year old man. And and so for him to be vibrant and healthy, and I mean, you know, he looks wrinkled. He doesn't sleep very much. I don't know how he does all this stuff, but he 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 gives you hope for being reasonably mobile in the future, which is my thing too. Advancement in technologies, medicine, all that other kind of stuff. You never really know. So why am I cutting myself off short with all this stuff? And then that translated again into the goals, the bigger goal that I had set for myself that I am not telling anybody about that I keep referencing. Like it's some sort of mysterious big thing. I'm, I'm, I'm using it as an example. I'm not trying to tease anybody to be like, why don't you just tell us the goal? If you're talking about the goal, I get it's a bit annoying, but I'm trying to make a point that I am working for myself to not always have to tell people what I'm working on because I want to see if I can achieve this thing. So having that as a, a big giant gobbledygook of foundation for this podcast episode, I, I recognize that I'm, I really feel like I am getting set up for something better. And I know based on the other goals that I have and some different things that I'm working on right now, it makes a ton of sense for me. And it just feels right. I'm trusting my intuition in a lot of ways. And I, I don't do that enough. And I also recognize that I am very extroverted and I put a lot of effort into other people. And it's, it's great. It's, it's a good thing. But because uh, other people don't have the capacity or the space or or the the empathy around whatever I'm dealing with or whatever it is, uh, to be able to reach out as often as I can. I don't have any kids. I live on my own. You know, I got a lot of free time in comparison to somebody with a couple of kids and a full time job and married and whatever else, right? So I have I have some understanding around that, and. And I just wanted to sort of give everybody that's listening a bit of hope around the aspect that whatever struggle you are going through, I mean, a lot of them are, are tough. And I don't want you to think that I'm, I'm trying to say whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger because I think that's a BS statement. In some cases, there are bad things that happen to people that they don't need to go through. When you lose a loved one, you just kind of learn how to deal with it. And does it make you stronger? Is it a better thing? I don't know. I don't... I, I haven't really experienced that knock on wood with my family yet. Like my parents are still around. I've lost grandpas and grand, grandmas and great aunts and great uncles, but, but I've been really lucky that way. And I don't know how I'm going to react in those situations, but, but like there are certain things that happen in our lives that when we look back, it's like, Oh, I'm glad that thing happened because this happened just like my job currently. I never thought I would come back to the job that I worked 12, 14 years ago and be happier. You know what I mean? Like to be happier at a job that I thought I was going to hate for the rest of my life or never go back to because I wasn't good at it or whatever. You know, it was a, it was a good experience around understanding my own expectation of how things are supposed to go and just sort of letting them happen the way they're supposed to happen. So, I don't know, I hope this, see, I hope this gives people hope. And I, I, I don't want people to live in future and always be chasing a target because there's issues there. But I find if you have actual hope and belief and you're not necessarily, um, you're not necessarily 
like so hopeful and just always diving for the future and all that stuff that I, I said diving instead of driving towards the future because there's uh, three or four seagulls now beside me fighting for scraps and they were like diving at each other. But So you're not always heading towards the future and, and out of the present moment as far as focus. Like It's important to enjoy what you're doing. And the reason I could never understand that or never believe that was a thing is because I didn't have any experience that was relatable. I just never thought that you're really supposed to enjoy the job that you do often enough. Like Part of the reason why this podcast was, I don't want to say it was unenjoyable at times or it felt like work, is because it it's hard to do stuff and not really get a lot of traction. It's hard to try a bunch of things and then not get a lot of traction, like YouTube channel and blog and everything else. And people say, well, you didn't try this and you didn't correct this and you didn't do all these things. And yes, I did. I tried a bunch of different things. It just didn't work. It didn't work out the way that I wanted it to, right? Content, because of content, because of me, because of the way I talk, because of whatever, because of my a little bit of inconsistency here and there, because of health issues or whatever it was, it just didn't pan out for me. The book that I wrote, like, it's in draft mode and a couple editors have it and all that kind of stuff. Like, friends are editing it. But I, I don't know how to, how to explain it. But, so, like, you just get a bit discouraged and you don't want to do other stuff. And I think the other reason why I'm, I'm limiting my other projects now is because I'm actually happy at my job. Right? And then being happy at my other job and not doing as much is actually giving me a bit more energy to want to try different things for creative reasons. One of the things that I have to work on and pay attention for for that self-awareness thing is understanding that I don't need this thing to be a validation of my value. Whatever the, the thing that I try next is. Like if, if I end up doing, let's just say I end up doing a Shopify store or, or something. And then, by the way, that's not the big goal. Um, and, you know, maybe I do some... Maybe I do some art for fun and I'm not trying to sell my art because I, I always drew cars and they're not very good. But like if I draw and I get better and then someone wants to buy a like a picture of my cutlass that I drew, you know, am I going to all of a sudden stop things and become an artist full time? No, because I don't like it enough to want to do that. But I need creative outlets for me because I think that's a lot about who I am. I need places to just chat and talk and talk things through. That's why I'm so vocal with my friends and I reach out so much and talk about stuff because I, I need that. And now I've got this podcast, of course, but I'm starting to get into a position where I need it less because I'm just enjoying the moment and just understanding that I feel like there's a reason why I'm supposed to be doing whatever I'm doing or going through whatever I'm going through because... Because it's setting me up for the future. Now, having said that, because I've said it like 85 times on this podcast episode, but but having said that, the thing that's important is now that I know that, I don't need to think about that part all the time. I just sit here and I ponder and I wonder and I think about things and I'm just enjoying the drive and I'm enjoying watching the, the water roll towards the shore here. There's a lady throwing a ball for a, for a, uh, like a, looks like a, almost like a golden lab who's just loving it. And I'm just like, how cold is that water? Like, that's what I'm thinking. Cause it's kind of cold out today. And just going through that process of just really enjoying things and understanding that 
even if I didn't achieve anything else at this point, ever, right? Um, like, this is happiness for me. Like, this, I actually feel really good. I always am going to have moments where your brain goes and says, what about this and what about this? Because your brain always tries to screw you. People need to remember that, including myself. And so this is where the meditation has helped because it takes me out of that a lot faster. And so my brain drifts to something that I can't control or something that it's making up for the past or the future or whatever. It pulls back in to the present moment faster than I ever did before, which is another testimonial for meditation, in my opinion. And I just always want people to remember that... What Zig Ziglar said is really important, and I was talking about that with somebody else last night. I, I like this statement, because I quote a lot of Jim Rohn. You know, Jim Rohn says, make a million dollars, not for the million dollars, but for what you have to become to make the million dollars. Very economical kind of advice. You know, he talks about things like, you never, you, you don't know how long I had to fake it about being successful until it was actually true. Things like that. Like, he's got a lot of... He's got a lot of, of down-home advice as well. Don't send your ducks to Eagle School, right? You know, if, if you... Basically, like, if you... If, if you've got... You've got to sort of teach people to be where they are as far as leaders and different things. So, you're... If, if someone's going to be a duck, you got to teach them how to be a good duck. And if they're going to be in... Um, an eagle, they got to be an eagle, like don't send your ducks to eagle school because it changes who they are. That's kind of the concept. But anyway, I digress. The Zig Ziglar quote that I really, really enjoy that resonates with me is failure is an event, not a person. And the reason why I enjoy the fact that it's not a person part of that quote is because most of us attach all of the failures to who we are. And I'm preaching to the choir when I'm talking about this because that has been 100% my motive uh, most of my life. It's all the things that I've done, all the failures that I've gone through. You know, I, I recently talked about being able to change and reframe. And I look at all the things that I've done and I still, like on, a, on an individual project level, you know, you can look at all of them as failures. But what I learn out of them and what I grow out of, what I, what I, how I grew as a person from them and all those things. Super important. Super important. So not failures anymore. And each individual thing, yeah, let's just say I failed on each individual one of those 29 or 32 things or whatever's on my list. I failed on them because they didn't become an uber success or get me a house or, or whatever that was, right? Whatever those that goal was for me at the individual time, I'm not going to go through every single one of them and tell you exactly what my goals were because didn't work out but they were all individual events happened to be like 29 or 31 let's call it 31 because i think it was 31 they're 31 individual events they're 31 in they're sorry they're they're 31 individual events of failure those 31 things that are events in which i failed does not mean that i am a failure because i have had success in other areas as a person, as a friend, as a brother, as a son, as a grandson, as a nephew, as a employee, as a co-worker, as somebody with a disability, even out in the workforce and doing different things, I have 
success on a big level. Because I read a I read a stat in Stats Canada, and I can't really remember necessarily the specifics because it's not in front of me. But there's there was there was studies done on people with disabilities in the job market, like in the workforce. And if you had a sensory disability, there was a certain percentage. And then if you had a cognitive disability, so there was sensory and physical, I think it was, which was like, you know, whether you're a paraplegic or, or, or whether, you know, you have um, epilepsy or things like that. I think those were kind of, that's what I would think would be that definition. And there's other ones that are, are cognitive. So it would be things like, um, you know, traumatic brain injuries or, you know, like Down syndrome possibly or, or whatever those would be. And I recognize with cerebral palsy, I have both a cognitive impairment because of the brain damage at birth and a sensory physical disability. So the combination of those two things are like 47% of the employed population. And then out of all those people that are employed with a disability of some sort, almost, I don't know how they figured this set out, but out of the two or so million people in, in the workforce that have a combination of those disabilities, over only about a million of them are employed or were employed currently at the time of the study. There were 200,000 unemployed or whatever it was. And then they said that there were a million that weren't employed. So I started thinking about out of the disability definition, pretty much my disability puts me in that sort of almost 50% of the disability employed population. And then it also puts, um, it just puts me like just being disabled and employed and working and living on my own. And then having being sort of 50% of, of that population based on everything that I'm doing. Like, I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm just rambling all over the place because I can't quite do the math in my head at this point. Uh, and I'm not stopping the podcast and re-recording that part at 30 minutes. But you get my point. Like, that in itself, just representation-wise, that I'm actually working in the workforce, trying to do all these things, trying to do all these side hustles, trying to do all that stuff, and then also trying to bring value to people, whether it's two, three, four, or five people or 10,000 or whatever it is, I'm always trying to help people to a degree, you know, and I was honestly, I think previously I was helping people for a bit of selfish reasons. Like some of the rolling motivation stuff was all hopes that I was going to be the next Tony Robbins or the next Jim Rohn or the next Zig Ziglar. And I'm just not going to be that person. It's not, I don't know if I want to even, I don't, I don't even know at this point, if I had an opportunity to speak, would I do that? Yep. Would I put it together? Yep. Do I want to go to a bunch of different cities and talk and do all this stuff and, and have all this stuff going on. Uh, maybe, but it's kind of doubtful, you know? So, so like, I don't know, you know, and, and so things have changed for what I want. I'm actually just really comfortable with the job that I have and the things that I've got going on. Do I want my new book to be a big success? Of course. Do I have goals within that? Of course. Do I have timelines within that? Of course. I'm always going to have that stuff. But I'm just trying to enjoy the process. And the fact that even if this becomes one of the other failure events, and it doesn't sell a single damn copy, and 
the printing costs me too much money and I lose dough or whatever, right? I, I'm a better person for having done it because most people want to write a book and they don't. I can't remember the population. I think it's like 86% of the population says at some point in their life they wish they would write a book or they, or they want, or they have that as some sort of cursory goal. And I've done that already. I attempted it three or four different times with a couple different kinds of books. But I have finished my draft of my book, and it's going to get printed. It's going to get possibly sold to people. It's going to be there as an opportunity. And if it is the only book I ever write for the rest of my life, I'll have still had that as a success. Period. So the whole point of this is I'm trying to get people to to understand what I've gone through to reframe myself, to reframe the successes that I've had that I used to think were failures because they were events. And that I used to think I was a failure because of those things. Right? And even if I have stuff in the future that is doesn't give me any economic success or bring me closer to a goal of owning a house or finishing the cutlass the way that I want to or any of those things, it doesn't mean that that I'm a failure. It means I try another thing to get to that goal. But it it, it it's just different. And hope is a very important thing to have in that process. The hope that this next thing is going to be better. The hope that the pain that you went through in the previous relationship sets you up for something that you can learn to do better the next time. When you have a fight with your partner or your spouse and you guys talk it out and you learn something and you don't do it again. The fact that when you lose a job, you pick yourself up by the bootstraps, you you find some training or you just apply for another job and you apply for a bunch of jobs until you get one. Or whatever the whatever the deal is, you know, you yell at your kid because they did something and then you realize, oh, I shouldn't have done that because that's what my parents did. And you break that cycle and then you, you give them praise instead and you find a different way to parent, whatever, whatever it is. Also, on just the side note of, of, you know, blaming our parents for a bunch of things because that seems to be the new norm. That seems to be uh, blame the previous generation for bad habits and the way they put vocabulary in your head and all that kind of stuff. We need to stop blaming. We need to understand that those things happened. But we need to understand that our parents were people too. They went through stuff. I've, t- I've talked about this before as well. But we need to stop blaming other people for the way that we are. We can understand that that's, that's where we came from. And we can, I, like, I don't know if the word is blame or, or like, I don't even know if we need to use the word blame. But we can understand that's where it comes from. And that's why this happened. But most people just sit in there and they like they find out something. They're like, oh, I'm this way because I'm this. I'm this way because I have cerebral palsy. I got pulled with forceps and I was born premature. And so I have brain damage. So there are certain things that I'm not going to be able to do. Right? Okay, so now I'm not going to be able to do anything. Or I'm only going to be able to do this. I'm stuck doing this for the rest of my life because of this box that I have put myself in or the society has put me in or whatever. Right. And we sit in that to a degree, but everybody does that even on a, on a personality level. Like we understand that, Oh, I'm over emotional. Like for me, I'm over emotional. And I, I talk too much and I, I think a lot and all those things. And so that's who I am. So take it or leave it. And that's how I'm always going to be. So eventually I'm going to push people away or I'm going to annoy them and I'm never going to have success in relationship or, or I'm going to annoy my coworkers at some point or whatever. But that's not true. That's just where I was at the time 
when I've done this. The other thing that people need to really understand, I'm going to end it pretty much here because it's a 37 minute podcast now and I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm fired up, but we need to understand that human beings can make changes faster than we ever thought possible. Society doesn't want us to make them fast because then it gives other people pressure to make changes faster than they did. Yes, if you have bad habits and you have, you know, mental health issues and you have loops of thinking, you're going to go back and forth and up and down and all those different things. I'm not trying to say that that's not going to happen. But this concept that in order to change yourself as a person or change a bad habit or, or, or change a behavior that you don't you no longer want in your life or that has caused you pain in relationships or whatever is going to take forever to just get out is not true. You need the right set of tools and the right thing to do to get that out, whether it's therapy or my case, meditation therapy and meditation, whatever it is like combinations, figuring things out, journaling, all that stuff can change behaviors, right? Like, sit with those things. Figure them out for yourself. Figure out what your answer is. And then don't listen to anybody else until you need to. And, you know, the old quote, don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. And also be careful who you take advice from. And just be easier on yourself. But remember that you don't need to take forever to change something. You can change habits quickly. You can change your behavior quickly. You can change your life quickly. I was having a pretty rough go. And then all of a sudden, I finally got that TD job. And then... That flipped around than my, just just in general, because I'm moving around more and doing different things and have different goals. I've got, you know, my health is, is better. Uh, meditation happened, started happening before the TD thing. You know, like everything just sort of happens. Meditation started happening and then the jobs happened and because I changed direction, got my ego out of the way. Like there's so many things that happen and in two, three, four months, I feel like an entirely different person still going to be me to a core. I'm still going to talk too much. I'm still going to have podcast episodes that are sometimes five, six, seven minutes long, some 11 and some 39 now. But just remember that you are who you are and that's okay. And if there are things you want to change about yourself, it's not because the way you are currently is bad. You just recognize there's a better way to do things. So, and that wraps it all back up to hope. Hope for the future with a focus on the journey and understanding that you're better every single day and you want to set goals for the future, but you also want to enjoy the process. And I don't know how to tell you to enjoy the process because that just started happening for me, but you'll figure it out for yourself. All right, peace. This has been episode 143 of the Rolling Around Podcast.